that I always come back to that too. It's like that's that's the most you can do, and then I guess just shout that change from the rooftops. Hello, and welcome back to the Living Simply Bear podcast. I am your host, Rachel Bear, and if this is your first time here, welcome. If it's not, welcome back. I'm so grateful you're here, and I'm so excited to be back. I took the past few weeks off for the holiday and really grounding into the new year. I was trying to force really putting out the, this new episode last week, and kind of my intuition was like, no, you really need to surrender into this new year and just be in this really joyous, present, transformational beginning that's starting. I think 2020 is going to be a really powerful year for a lot of us and choosing to really settle into that. Um, I'm really glad that you guys are all here listening and this is a really special episode. Um, I got to speak with my friend Susanna and I can't wait for you guys to listen and um, dive in. Susanna is the founder of Earthen Warrior, a line of sustainable women's wear, which uses biodegradable textiles and locally sourced natural dyes. She is someone I met when I was living in New York and was just really inspired by all that she was creating and the beauty that she brings into the world. And it really lit me up um, seeing that. And I've followed along with her since I've since left New York and just what she's up to and it was a really special conversation just talking about how we live in relationship with the earth um, this zero waste movement and what that means and what that actually looks like and she had such incredible insight because she's not only studied fashion design but also she studied environmental um environmentalism I think I forget what this specific degree is um, but she'll go into that it's really a special episode and I cannot wait for you all to listen and without further ado let's dive into it thank you so much for being here I'm really excited to reconnect it's been like a couple years at this point at least a couple years I know I've been in New York I've been out of New York for uh, it'll be two years in February which is feels like not very long but also like it feels like it's been forever I feel like based on the amazing adventures you've had it almost feels longer just because it looks like you've done so much out there yeah it's been kind of a wild journey I feel like I've also like traveled a lot like just within the U.S. having been out here so like that's part of it I'm just like enjoying life in a whole new way. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, I think we should dive in and I'd love to know what your upbringing is. So I was raised um, in both Vermont and New Hampshire. So in New England, the snowy north. Um, I have an older sister. She's three and a half years older. And then um, my parents split up when I was in about fourth grade. So um, I actually have two siblings from my dad's um, second marriage. Um, And they are, one of them's in college and one of them's in high school, um, a brother and a sister. Um, So yeah, my upbringing was, you know, it was like a quaint country. My parents were both um, raised in the suburbs. My dad's from New Jersey. My mom's from uh, the uh, Newton, Mass, which is a suburb of Boston. And they both kind of made their way up to New England and fixed up a really like tiny little shack in the woods. And um, yeah, really like hippies, but not like just kind of not super crunchy, but like um, like on the line, I guess. Like they, no, no like dreadlocks or anything like that. But like we had chickens for a little while and like, you know, very frugal kind of situation. So, yeah. And did you spend a lot of time like out in nature then? 
Yes. Um, we, I've lived in a few houses and I realized that every house I've ever lived in, um, when my parents were married and when they were separate, every house has always had a brook or a stream in the backyard. Um, so always had like sort of access to this flowing water and always had, you know, probably at least, mm, at least a half acre, if not more at any given house that I lived at. Um, so yeah, lots of time spent outside. Um, and we always had pets too. We had dog, two cats. I had, um, a couple of cockatiels and I also had a pet rat growing up. Um, which everyone was really grossed out by, but <laughs> like a rescued lab rat, and they're actually really smart and really great pets. Um, That's amazing. So yeah, lot like I was a total nature child. I just always like I remember, um, just yeah, being outside for for most of you know the entire summer, and then like even you know, the winters up there are really intense, but, you know, you go sledding, snowshoeing and stuff. So, yeah. So amazing. And then what led you to New York? So I um, am like, this is kind of my, the theme of my existence is this dichotomy of like needing and loving and like just wanting to protect nature, but also this like serious uh seriously being drawn to the glamour and like the hustle and bustle of big cities and especially New York like especially right when I got here uh, right when I moved here I just it just felt like home and it still does in a way that nowhere else does and I, I know I'm not special or unique for feeling that like so many people that live here feel that same way um so I came here to go to Parsons for fashion design. Um, so I got my environmental studies degree at the University of Vermont. And then immediately thereafter, I came to New York to get my fashion design degree up at Parsons because I knew I wanted to combine them into um, something called eco fashion, which at the time in, you know, around, well, 2009 is when I started Parsons. Um, but it was just like nobody sustainable fashion isn't what they called it. It was called maybe called eco fashion or like just it didn't even have a word. It was just like this abstract concept that I was kind of putting together that is now um, like almost mainstream, which is great. Yeah, it's definitely mainstream at this point where then we like toy the line of like greenwashing. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started. About greenwashing. Yeah. I know it's like so painful for me to see like oh. these huge fashion brands that are like we're going eco and it's like it's oh, just yeah. it's not I mean it's the worst I mean H&M yeah H&M is the worst because like I even went to a panel once and they were there like they had a rep from H&M there it was like um it was like some sort of sustainable fashion panel and this woman had no idea what she was talking about like she sounded like such an airhead and I was like why did they even send someone like they just felt like they had to because they're on this like greenwashing thing but um yeah the H&M thing just you can't put more clothes out into the world at that rate and call it eco-fashion just and like at that price point at that price exactly yeah like it's just not (laughs) it's not it's yeah you'd think though as like a big company like that they'd at least like they have so much money that they'd at least like spend the money to hire someone that could at least speak the language. But then I also, it's like, if you know that language, you wouldn't compromise. It's that is exactly right. Like if you actually understood the concepts, would you be working at that job? <laughs> like, totally. Yeah. That's such a good point. Cause you, I just thought like, well, if you, yeah, you have enough money, like you can pay someone but you think they could still pay someone to even say the right things um, and, like, be fake about it. But no, because if you're saying the right things, yeah. 
what yeah I don't think if you're like behind the sustainable movement and like a actually wanting to make change you're gonna like go and speak for them knowing that those aren't what they're doing that's not what they're doing exactly and like I I mean I I I'm all for them trying to do the right thing but um I trying isn't enough like it's yeah I don't even I don't even get it they had a thing too where they like it was like drop off your old clothes and everyone loves to like feel like they're doing the right thing by cleaning out their closet and donating their clothes like those like I don't know what H&M is doing with those they're probably like incinerating them yeah who knows because I think they incinerate all their other clothes that aren't sold right which is I mean (laughs) that just like blows my mind that that's even like a thing (laughs) on unbelievable yeah it's (sighs) yeah I know I don't I don't know. I, my, my problem is always like how to educate people without just as an, as a lifelong environmentalist, like how do you educate people about this stuff without just like sounding like the person who's always bringing the bad news? <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard because you don't want to like scare tactic anyone. You want them to feel like they're making this decision on their own, but we can't do that without educating them also. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is why, that is actually completely why I started my brand, Earth and Warrior, because I wanted to give people a fun, pretty alternative um, that was like, I had done all the work. So like everything, you just have to buy it and you're buying into like the right choice and it's like fun and you still get to like shop and buy something. Um and and I and I add a little education in there as well um but like yeah because I think a lot of times people just ignore these issues because they it just doesn't feel good to think about them so we like numb out and um turn the other cheek and it's like it's about to be too late you know so yeah it is. We have to like fully step into that. There's no like, oh well, n- you know, maybe tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Which, which then makes me think, like, as someone, like, growing up in like the Midwest, it's like, I talk to like my family, and it's like they can't even like, like, wrap their mind around it. It's not even an awareness to it. So it's like. I think a lot, like, how do you bring that awareness to people who, like, that's not even at all in their forefront? I know. That is also what I always try and think of. Like, like, again, that is why I started a fashion brand, because I was like, okay, what's something that people, like, will pay attention to? You know, that could be, like, a vessel or a catalyst for people to wake up a little bit. Um, But, yeah, it's like, that's that's a little tiny slice of the pie. And I had the same thing, like going to visit um, my boyfriend's parents in Florida. And it's just like, it's just the culture in Florida by and large is like everything disposable and everyone walks around with bottled water and um, even like people using paper plates in their own home yeah throwing them away in their trash even though like you know like I'm just like how do you I don't know you can't you can't it's a personal choice for someone so like you can't just bring it up it's it's like people will get very offended yeah well I think it goes to this idea of like lead by example yeah yeah and like you you know you can show up with your reusable plate or whatever and like Maybe the next time you come, they'll know that you're going to at least have a reusable plate and be like, we have a plate for you. Like I have a, I was listening to some panel and they were like, yeah, like I just started becoming the friend that everyone was like, yeah, we have a plate for you. Even though we have, we're going to use disposables. We know that you're not going to use a disposable, Mm -hmm. which 
and then maybe that slowly becomes like the whole group doesn't use it but again it's like there is an urgency to these shifts that need to happen yeah there is and I just I think that's really true to like you know obviously cliche it's like be the change but um that I always come back to that too like that's that's the most you can do and then I guess just shout that change from the rooftops yeah (laughs) like you know you do that on social media I do that with my brand I don't do it as much on my personal social media um which maybe maybe I'll incorporate more of that um but yeah and then I mean I I think that's super important and then but then I it always comes back to the thing of like is that really enough? And like, we don't, I just feel like as a collective, we don't have time for like those tiny shifts anymore. Like, yeah, I don't know. And then, but then it's like the, the sensitive earth loving people among us have all that burden on our shoulders and that doesn't do any good either. Um, totally. But, you know, I see people doing the zero waste thing to a T and, um, and that's really commendable um as well and I do that as as much as I can really um I think that we do a pretty good job of it in our household but um that seems like it takes every ounce of concentration in your life like as a New Yorker I I, I do it now because it's like pretty ingrained in me but I think most people find it just they just don't have the bandwidth to like learn these new ways of being um how and I know you live mostly zero waste like what's your I don't know what's your like current stance on like the personal impact or like the I don't know what my question is just like I don't know what's your current stance on like living a serious zero waste lifestyle well, first of all, I don't think that zero waste exists. Yeah. You know, like, like, I just want to, like, say that because I love to say that I live low waste. Zero waste is not a thing. No, I don't live, yeah, it's impossible. We don't live in an infrastructure where that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I create trash. Yeah. It's not like, it's like I do it when... Like, I love to say, like, okay, I'm vegan and I'm gluten-free. And those things come with stipulations because I'm vegan, one, because it feels great in my body. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to me. But also, it's like an environmental decision. Yet, sometimes, because I'm human, I really crave, like, vegan cheese. And I'm not going to deprive myself of that every once in a while. So then I'm going to have a little plastic. Or, like when I'm traveling, having like dietary things, I find that where I create waste is mainly only within food. Um, It's like, I'm going to buy a loaf of bread that's in a plastic bag because it's hard to get gluten-free bread, not in a plastic bag. Um, So my stance is like- Gluten-free bread, not in a a plastic bag. What? I said, I've never seen gluten-free bread, not in a plastic bag, like a fresh baked loaf at a- a Yeah. I've never seen that. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like- there's like one place in town here and you can only get it on certain days at a certain time. And like, unless I'm like happen to be free at those times, it's really hard because you have to get it as soon as it comes off. That's like right in the morning. Otherwise they automatically put it into a plastic bag. So, or you have to call like first thing and like, I've, you know, you have the thought after the fact. Um, so that's one thing, but so my thing is like, try to create as little waste as you can like please don't use plastic water bottles or like straws or if you can avoid plastic as much as you can do it um but I think that this idea of zero waste it deters people from even starting because your objective is zero and some days it won't be zero and then you start to beat yourself up beat yourself up and I've done this too where I'm like well there's no point because today I failed which but tomorrow you could create no trash and like so I hate this idea that it has to be zero because 
it's never going to be. I mean, if you go to the doctor, you're going to, they're going to use things or whatever. So, um, I don't know if that like fully answers the question, yeah. but I just don't think, I think my stance is that zero waste is not a thing. Yeah. And then, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, like a cute saying or like a nice uh, idea, but, and that gesture is that like what would be ideal, but of course, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's impossible. Totally. And I, part of me has this like question mark around and the, I might get, you know, some shit for saying this, but I like have a question mark around the people who like are like all of my trash fits into this one jar. No, I do not believe that. I'm sorry. Like I'm just like there. There's some stuff that you're not accounting for. Yeah. Especially like say you travel to a foreign country, like it's it's or just traveling in general, you're more likely to create waste because you're out of your rhythm. You'll Perfect. forget something on accident whatever it is and like that's not gonna you know that's not gonna fit into your jar (laughs) so like I don't know I have a lot of question marks around that so I think if you're like if anyone who's like listening to this is like I'm interested in creating less waste like just look at your trash and be like maybe there's an alternative yeah I think I can Maybe I can look at the bulk section next time I'm at a store that has a bulk section or ask, you know, my local grocery store if they would carry this in bulk. Totally. Yeah, there's always a way to, like, augment to a better better alternative. Yeah. Um, My question about the jar thing is, like, I I think, I feel like I've, it seems like some zero-waste people don't count things that can be recycled like I think they're just counting things that would otherwise go to a landfill yeah totally I think that is that's kind of like the loophole that I didn't realize like those people might have like drank out of an aluminum can but because that can be recycled like yeah so I think it's just but even so yeah it is um, shocking and which but which then I think, like, okay, China's not accepting or recycling anymore. So is it actually being recycled? Was it ever actually being recycled? Well, exactly. Like, the whole thing of, like, people feeling like if it's re- if it can be recycled, then it's, like, basically net zero. It's just, like, not – it's just – yeah, recycling takes – it takes energy to, like, melt a glass bottle, which is going to be fossil fuels. Like, that's powering that factory. That's, like, recycling – that material back into something else like that whole thing is just yeah people feeling good about recycling and feeling like righteous about it it's just such a cop out I I know that most people um need as much coddling as they can get for these for you know being a responsible environmentally responsible citizen but unfortunately I feel like the recycling thing is not is not what we think it is. No. And I think, like, if that's your option, like, I can buy something in plastic or I can buy something in a metal, like, aluminum, of course, choose the thing that, like, quote-unquote can be recycled. Right. Over the, like, plastic thing. Because then you're also voting with your dollar and saying, if a lot of things that are in plastic packaging aren't being bought anymore, companies will stop, you know, carrying them exactly and then they'll start carrying in which that's like that has to be a big shift it's not going to happen like overnight that's everyone choosing to not use plastic anymore exactly but I do have to say like being having to be the realist environmentalist person (laughs) um (laughs) realist ist not est um that I so I studied abroad in the Amazon rainforest in college. And um, we, it was a program about human ecology and like environmental resources and basically like farming, mining, all this stuff, basically how human interactions in that region of the world impact the environment. Um, But we went to a mine, an Alcoa mine, which is basically like aluminum mine there that was in the middle of the rainforest and it was just like 
just decimated land because they're mining underneath the ground. So they're they all this forest is ruined, and when you ruin rainforest, like it it doesn't grow back like other forests might because a lot of the living material or a lot of the nutrient rich materials in the live um, plants and trees. Um, anyways, so aluminum, I feel like now people are like feeling all good about aluminum over plastic because it's, you know, everyone now kind of understands the evils of plastic, like the extraction and the endocrine disruptors and all this stuff. But like aluminum, it's not a great alternative. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir right now to you, but um, I just always feel like that needs to be said. Like people are like, oh yeah, like there's like this new water company that comes in an aluminum can. And it's like, or like everyone's like drinking their LaCroix, like it's like, or LaCroix, however you say it. I have no idea. And then just like that comes from somewhere. Yes, it can be recycled, but most of it is virgin coming from a mine somewhere. And also, I'm pretty sure that they've linked it to Alzheimer's, which is a whole other thing. But um, just had to put that note about uh, about aluminum. No, I really appreciate that because I feel like, I mean, that's even like a very helpful reminder for me because it's like, oh, well, it's easy. I can just buy instead of getting the bulk beans. Sometimes I'll get the canned beans. Yeah. Which I just got an instant pot. And this isn't sponsored, but it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I made so I made chickpeas. I put them in this morning and they were ready in like 30 minutes. Oh, and I didn't even God. have to soak them. So you did it from like bulk part, like dry chickpeas. Yeah. That's so exciting. We just had like, yesterday. It's like the greatest thing. I like I think it like <laughs> it's life changing. People do great about it. It's like pretty amazing. Like, which is not, not everyone has that available. And I didn't buy one for a really long time. And I actually was gifted one. So I feel really lucky that that was gifted to me. And now I feel like I can be a better low waste liver because I won't be buying things in cans as much. Totally. Yeah. I think it's definitely good for that, for that lifestyle. Totally. Um, I'd love to ask you too, like, what made you like, think like when you're 18 going to college like I want to go study environmental education but then I also want to study fashion like how did those link together basically like just yeah it's just like who I am that I have this like split between this really creative like I love beautiful things and I've always been obsessed with fashion and um I also just was like I feel like my mission more than anything in this life is like to just kind of show people the importance of our relationship to the earth or just the importance of the well-being of the earth um so And I I was like a pretty, I don't know, I took school pretty seriously. So I I wasn't just going to go straight to art school or straight to fashion school. I was like, I'm going to get a degree in something that's like more science-y and more, like I'm really into like biology and all this stuff. So, but getting my environmental studies degree made the most sense. And then um, I actually, at UVM, I did my thesis on eco-fashion. So I interviewed a bunch of people at the time. It was like really obviously this was in like 2007 and eight. So like it was hard to find people that were even like in like even like it was like so um, wasn't even that long ago. But um, there was it was a different world. Like I had I was like I had to track down this like professor at a college in like Texas for an interview I like I did a whole thesis and then I actually did I made like a magazine um where I featured like different people and like vintage and I took all the photos so you know got to use my creativity and stuff um 
So yeah, it's pretty much like, again, in retrospect, everything seems to make so much sense. But at the time I was like, I don't know. I just, these, I love these two things. I think they can be friends, fashion and environmentalism. Um, I, I know they can be, but um, yeah, it was like at the very beginning of it, of, of like quote unquote sustainable fashion kind of birthing it into the world and there was a few people who there was plenty of people obviously I wasn't the first person like there was plenty of people that were just too ahead of their time like I remember reading about um uh like Esprit I think almost in like the late 80s did some kind of eco collection um and just it just didn't do nothing happened like people just weren't ready unfortunately like um, and then this designer, have you heard of Catherine Hamnet? It sounds familiar. She like, she's, she's a British and she does, um, I think she, she does a lot of like activism and she kind of like brings that into her fashion designs. And, um, so she's been doing this type of thing for a long time. Um, so there was definitely people, obviously plenty of people, but, um, but yeah, it was it was definitely like I had to really dig to find sort of what you might call expanders or other people that were kind of um, on this path. So, but cool. yeah, it just kind of was like it was kind of yeah, just my two interests combined, and I was determined to have them be friends. <laughs> I love that determined to have them be friends. <laughs> And now at this stage, you're, you know, your brand is, you know, you're creating amazing things that are like biodegradable and naturally dyed. But from like hearing you talk about this, like knowing that it's, there's something that needs to be done bigger than like these small shifts. Do you think that your brand will take um, another step or like, do you see yourself including more educational stuff in it? So I, it's hard because I'm just one person with a very, very limited budget. So like what I want, where I want it to go versus like, like where, where I want it to go in my head versus like the reality is very different. Um, but in my, what I've been able to do in my just being one person is um kind of do like teach people in the class the natural dive classes that I teach I always teach people about to think a little bit deeper about like where their clothing is coming from where it's going to go when they're discarding it the dyes that are like chemical dyes like I teach, so it's my little way of like having outreach to people about our current clothing system and um, the effects of it. And um, I've also been able to partner with a farm in Vermont that is growing a bunch of dyes for me. And I taught a class on their farm this summer. Um, so that felt like a really big piece of the puzzle because I now have like a relationship with the plants as they're growing I get to go into their field and like see them at the different stages throughout the season then um, they are an organic like non-certified organic farm they mostly go herbs and they sell apothecary products um so I just um I feel really good about that um and I guess if I had a huge budget um, I definitely would want to, you know, if I had a bigger budget, I, I could have more outreach in, and, and help with those bigger shifts. But I feel like in my own small way, what I've been able to accomplish is to show, um, just to be a little bit on the, I want to say cutting edge because that sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but <laughs> that's um, okay. You can do your own horn. Like I'm always looking to the, I'm always looking to see, like, I love, I love like innovating and like just seeing like, 
you know, I'm like a Virgo perfectionist too. So I'm like, okay, how do I improve upon this? How do I improve upon that? Um, and so now it's not just about, so even like a year or two ago, it was, it was okay. Sustainable fashion. What does that mean? It just means things are maybe not harmful or at this point, it doesn't really mean anything. It's been so like diluted. But um, now I think if you're really on the cutting edge of like the eco or sustainable fashion movement, you're not just thinking about things not being harmful. You're thinking about them being beneficial. And this is something that I've been really excited about all along is like thinking about the dyes that we're using. Not only are they not harmful, but they're medicinal. Like almost every plant has anti-inflammatory properties, but then each plant has all these different properties and a lot of them can be really good for your skin. Um, so thinking about them being beneficial for you, being beneficial for the earth. Um, so now there's like something called like regenerative. So regenerative farming. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not saying now that it exists, like it's a new thing, but um, now people are kind of bringing that into the fashion sphere. And I don't actually think many people are doing it because the whole doing natural dyes at scale is hard. But um, basically, like, that's what I'm really excited to be partnering with this farm because um, not only are the dyes natural, but they're, the way, the way that they're grown is benefiting the environment. So mm-hmm. like, the flower dyes, the bees and butterflies come and like feed on these dyes. So like their existence is actually like benefiting pollinators, which we know the pollinator population is in peril. Um, and then, you know, they, they use organic farming practices. So their soil is like really strong and healthy. Um, and then the other part of that is, so it's like, how is, how are the textiles and the dyes grown and then how what what happens when those um go back get quote-unquote thrown away so like i always make things so that they last a really long time and are um timeless so like even if you gave it away or gave it to a thrift shop it was a thrift shop it would still be a covetable item but um once it does like finally disintegrate and you're like, I can't wear this anymore. Not only like thinking about the full cycle. So like a real circle, we call it cradle to cradle, not cradle to grave. So like things going back to the earth, what happens then? And can they like be composted? Will they go back into soil versus like a polyester shirt, which is made of petroleum, which you would have to just throw into the trash and into a landfill. Mm. So that's like the, that's the, that's what I do now in my own small way. And and the dream would be to like, just make that bigger and make that the standard. Yeah. So on that note, does, if someone was to like have your piece, you know, many years from now, it's getting worn. Could they kind of, in a sense, bury it in their backyard and it's going to break down? Yeah. So um that is exactly right and then that brings up another burning point that I think people don't talk about enough right now um which is going to be huge like compost is going to be compost is so important um and people understanding how to compost um like there's a lot of um these like plant-based plastics or like yeah you know what I mean like there's a I saw like a new water bottle company that's like you know they're all about like we're like so much better blah blah blah. but if you have some like a lot of things that say they can be that are quote-unquote compostable like I have asked at my local um like compost facility at the farmer's market and they're like unless it has a certain um certification on it like a lot of them don't break down in the compost um like the large composting facilities and then um if it looks like plastic it actually just 
there's no way for them to tell and they think it's contaminated. So they'll actually like take it away or like that whole bin will be wasted. Um, so the concept of um, my items at the end of their life being able to be composted is um, very, I know that they can be, but it's very conditional. So um, a lot of people just think like, oh, this can be composted and it's going to decompose. Things will decompose at different rates. So a shirt would de will decompose and it will do so safely. It just will happen. Um, it won't happen at the same rate as like a like an old piece of lettuce. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So I just think it's um, important and that's definitely something I want to incorporate more as well as I, um, you know, like continue to test over the years because it takes years for me to actually even see how these things are breaking down. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yes, in theory, you could bury it in your backyard, but it wouldn't immediately turn back to soil, I guess is like my... Like, I just made that into like a huge long story, but yeah. <laughs> no, but that makes total sense because like, there's so much more that goes into it than like a piece of lettuce. Yes, exactly. You know, there's many things that have to break down. So yes, you can bury it in your backyard. So, but you have to understand that it's a larger p an item. It's gonna take a while. Yeah. Um, and a healthy compost pile. Um, like not all compost piles are created equally either. Like I, the more I look into this and research it, the more I'm like, like a compost pile is like, um, is, is sort of like the human microbiome. Like there's all these different organisms working together and you can have a healthy one and you can have an unhealthy one. So, um, you kind of have to have the right conditions too, for things to really like properly be breaking down at a certain rate. Um. Yeah, that makes total sense. Oh, yeah. And I love the note about the whole composting thing in general is like, if it's not, most places can't actually break down these like, re, like compostable plastics or whatever. Like there, there's not the infrastructure to do that. Oh, and then, then it just ends up in our landfills because it can't be recycled because it's not actually a recyclable item. Exactly. At that. So exactly. it's like... Yeah. really the best option is to like bring your own thing to put stuff in exactly and that's that's the thing is like with all these um alternative disposables i guess you could call it um it's it's it helps people feel better about it but the it always goes back to just buy like using less buying less consuming less like yeah you, we want to we want to be like or I feel like the maybe the the typical American wants to feel be able to feel okay still about their rabid consumption habits and like it's just never gonna be okay. Like there's I don't I don't know. I think like, you know, things being wrapped in like banana leaves is probably like okay, but like anything at the wrong scale just like we the world, like, even if we have, like, the best compost and the best landfills, like, we, we just can't, can't, like, the earth can't take it back that quickly. <laughs> no, it can't. So, yeah. At the rate that we're producing it. Yeah, so it is, I actually, like, took time to research this whole compost thing because I feel like now there are a lot more, um, compostable packaging items and while that is great in theory until we have um you know the right kind of industrial composting that can take these back and also we don't have people don't have access to compost like I put mine in the freezer and like an important part of my week is going and getting my vegetables and dropping off my compost every Saturday. But for most people, that's not true. Totally. And most people even living in rural areas don't have their own compost. Like we always had one growing up, but like most people don't. And so if you don't have access to that or the motivation or the knowledge, you're just putting this possibly GMO corn based plant 
compostable plastic thing um, just back into the trash, which is going to go in the landfill, which might actually break down in a more harmful way into methane probably versus yeah. else, which is just going to sit there maybe. That's such a good point. Yeah, I mean, when I visit my family, there's not a composting option in Ohio. No. Like, there's nowhere to go. But <laughs> also, the New York... Throw those in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, like, being in New York, I the, your, your experience going, I miss my, like, weekly trip to the farmer's market. Yeah. And being, like, the crazy person on the subway with my, like, frozen <laughs> bag of compost. <laughs> yeah. I know. I really actually it's like really become like a a real cornerstone of my week is like dropping off my compost. And like it's just like everyone like walks there. Like you can see I even can see people. I live in Prospect Heights, like right by Prospect Park. But like I'll even see people blocks away from the park, like on that day, just like walking with their pail. Like I like I know where you're going. <laughs> I love that. I'm surprised that that part of the city doesn't have like street pickup yet. I am too. It's I think they've done it in like some very random parts of Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I lived in Bushwick two years ago and they had it. Yeah, they. Um, I don't know if they're just like still testing it out or what, but it seems like it's just they're like it seems like it's peppered around Brooklyn and they're just like testing out certain neighborhoods or um because there's no rhyme or reason to where I'll see those buckets and where I won't but But even to that note it's like when I lived there the compost bin you know someone who doesn't understand would put or they don't care they would throw their plastic in there so then it's contaminated unless I which I you know in hindsight I could have gone through and picked all that out right but I didn't then it's contaminated and then I don't you know yeah it's not it doesn't really matter if you're putting in there because it's all going to get then sent to the landfill because the bin's contaminated exactly yeah I know I mean that's that's the thing is like we can do our part but the broader um majority of people don't I don't want to say people don't care I think it's that people aren't educated yeah I think it's a lack of awareness for whatever reason I um, was brought up this way but also I just care more like even I just yeah it's like a personality thing, I guess. But I, I also don't think that it's like, oh, it's just me. I'm just like quirky and like I care about the environment. Like there's other countries that have systems in place. Um, it's it's like a broader um, cultural undertone of uh, like I, I guess if I'm getting really deep, you could take it back to how our country started which was basically like people coming and just taking what they um felt like they were entitled to and this kind of like like that that is the fact that is the spirit of our country Mm. there's a lot of wonderful things too but totally think about it in terms of the consumption it's like it was people came and they took what wasn't theirs and they it was a lot of really strong personalities, probably honestly, a lot of sociopaths. (laughs) Like we're being real. And then um, that's kind of the undertone of what we're working with. And then you have people that stand up for, um, for like the earth or for just like having a system in place that makes sense ecologically. And it's like, it, it kind of, it almost goes against the spirit of like unbridled consumption that we feel like is our birthright. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, as humans, we we're living in patterns that were imprinted from you know multiple generations ahead of us. Like, you're dealing with your own emotional things from like what your grandmother's grandmother dealt with. Exactly. 
unless those things aren't worked out, you know, in the generation before you. So it makes sense that we also hold those things on like a, you know, from where you're, where you're raised, where, where your family comes from. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I also feel like it sounds kind of abstract, but I feel like, um, there's like a zeitgeist or like, there's like a spirit of spirit of the nation, I guess you could say, but there is like each country has like its own kind of soul in a way. And I feel like America is like, it's young and we're still like, still just like having tantrums and working <laughs> a lot of stuff out. And I, I just, I feel like not to say this and it's not to say that it can't change, but um, you know, like other countries have systems in place for like recycling and, and taking care of their waste because they're just like they're older and they've learned from their mistakes already and they they have limited space like we have this idea that like there's just ever more more space to expand and yeah and then um so it's just I guess it's good to remember that that's what we're working with and to not feel like like oh we're weird for caring it's just that um our country is is like has some very uh specific dna that it started with that we're you know that is tough on the environment um but if there's another thing that america is great at it's innovation and like totally and, and being kind of like having a renegade spirit so like i hopefully hopefully that will win in the end yeah I think that is the direction and I have to ask you is do you live near a church is there a bell going on <laughs> um yes we do uh let's see yep six o'clock um yeah we live uh there's a church on the corner a catholic church I was like, there's got to be something. They're really ringing that bell. They, oh, it goes for a long time, too. Sorry. It's like, um, like, yeah, you can, I mean, you can hear it. It's, yeah. Some peaceful, it, it, it made that deep, um, those deep statements and reflections, like, a little more peaceful. <laughs> it's also like, ah, like Catholicism. Perfect. Yeah, which I was raised Catholic. I I understand it kind of. <laughs> so that's a whole other conversation. Um, well, I would love to um ask you, having been in New York, what do you do when you feel like you've lost your like connection to nature? I mean, I know that you're working with plants like pretty much on a daily basis with your natural dying, but when you feel like you're like, I feel disconnected, what kind of helps you like come back to that? Um, when it's nice out, I um try to go to Prospect Park. Oh. I actually will take off my shoes and do like some earthing for I guess supposedly thirty minutes minimum is optimal. Um I actually wrote a whole blog post and did like an earthing challenge for myself in July because it can really help with like inflammation and pain and all this stuff. And I've had like being a, just some people call it like canary in the coal mine, um, sensitive person. I deal with some health things. Um, so that's a great one. Um, I also, again, coming back to play kind of like having some, health challenges I I do a lot of research so I've gotten really into herbs so reading about herbs or um even like connecting with so learning about herbalism just on my own free time um mm -hmm. and then I'll see certain plants around the city which is really cool um and some people say like oh plants will grow where they're needed um so like, I don't know how true that is, but I like to believe in all the magical things. Um, but um, so I'll like, I'll learn about mugwort and then I'll see it like all over the city. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's like a super magical 
plant is like the one that like the witchiest plant that people always know or hear about um but it's great for sleep and you can have all these like crazy dreams it's great for detoxing it's like crazy so and i so i'll see that everywhere even learning about dye plants i'll see um like goldenrod if it's like in the late summer um so i love that because like you'll see plants that are so hardy and they're just like growing from a crack in the sidewalk and um even just something like that will kind of reconnect me with nature and then um i also try and leave like every two to three months minimum um and go up either to visit my family in vermont um my mom lives in northern massachusetts and my dad lives in new hampshire my sister lives in vermont um and just like go up there and reconnect I'll always take a walk in the woods often i'll do it barefoot um obviously if it's in the winter not as you don't feel as connected just because everything's frozen over but even taking a walk in the woods in the winter is great totally Um, so so yeah or also like for instance i've i've every time i go anywhere um like gone down to florida a bunch recently and la um for work and for like um my boyfriend's family went down there for thanksgiving and i was like I basically requested since we were there for a bunch of days doing like family activities I was like can we go to like a botanical garden or um whatever and so we went we ended up going to like this nature preserve um that was like just it actually used to be a former uh indigo plantation wow it was crazy I happened to like look at the plaque there and um it was like in the 1700s it was an indigo plantation like obviously that was like basically all the labor was slave labor and it was an english dude who was like sending all the indigo back to england um but yeah so every time i go anywhere now i i request whoever i'm with that we do at least one day at like botanical garden or like a walk in the woods there's always Anywhere you are, even if it's Florida, there's always like a nature preserve. And that has become like a real like uh, grounding thing when I'm in a new place. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And that you can do that anywhere. Exactly. Just take a walk. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's those little things that I just, that we just aren't really conditioned to um, like take upon ourselves, you know, like, oh, well, maybe like, like when I was younger, I was always think like, oh, well, you know, maybe nature isn't their thing, blah, blah, blah. But like, as you know, too, like, like we are nature. And so like everyone has a connection, like we're all of the earth. So even like this really suburban family, like my boyfriend's family and like his brother lives in LA and like we went out and just like, we like just had a nice walk and there was armadillos everywhere. And like, it was like, um, it just, I don't know, it makes me really happy. And it's like a simple way of kind of, you know, that, that mission of kind of connecting people. Totally. To the earth in those little ways that, you know, that's a memory that we'll now have forever. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's a great thing that's kind of new to me in the last few years. Which like experiences are much more of value than like things. You're not going to remember the thing per se, but you'll remember the the feeling that you felt. So like the experience is much more of value. Exactly. And it was like basically free activity and. Um, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I love doing that. I'm, I'm like, that's like my favorite thing now on vacations um, to just like find find the nature and learn about the local like flora and fauna and um kind of like whoever I'm with you know I've never I've never had anyone object to it either like I don't know why I had these preconceived notions when I was early like longer ago that people would be like I don't want to do that I don't know I don't know if that's just like in the air oh I get that I totally get that like everyone's always game like have my enthusiasm rub off on them totally which is amazing yeah Mm. 
Well, I'd love to ask you one last question. What are you currently excited about? Well, what are you excited about? Um, so, I, I'm very excited about um, actually, like, continuing to expand my brand, but also simultaneously um, going to be looking for work, some work outside of my brand that's more in the realm of sustainability. Um, I, it just feels like time to kind of have, um, be part of, a larger network and group of people like colleagues and um, part of a bigger mission. And I've just really started that process. But um, I, yeah, it's a pretty big change. But um, but I'm finally really excited about that and just having a little more consistency. Um, in in my day-to-day life and um yeah in terms of in terms of my brand I'm really the thing I'm most excited about um is um this partnership with this farm it's called Freeverse Farm and so we had our first growing season together this year and um next year they're like they're also like their their farm is about as old as my brand is. So we're both like growing and really open to um to like kind of seeing where our partnership goes. But um I'm excited for the next growing season. We'll get to grow some new plants together, um, which I've never um died with. So some new colors and some new flowers, and it's just really, really cool to see these dye materials in their natural habitat and see how they grow and um the first batch we did like five different plants and they did like so well in this region this like super northern vermont region um very fertile land so um in terms of my brand that's what i'm really excited about and um just in general I guess my my like um, free time study of herbalism and um, like energy medicine is is really exciting always and like I can't like I already have too many career directions <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't become a healer I don't know if I can do that in this lifetime yeah um, but. I, I kind of like dabble and it's just like really fun to kind of experiment on myself and um, and to learn about the um, just like how magical everything is like how how little like tip of the iceberg we're really taught about like about like what being human is and like healing in our bodies and um my most recent exciting discovery is that I had my full astrological chart read. Ooh, that's so exciting. In September around my birthday. And then I was kind of going through it last week and had another one. And um, I'm like blown away. I was really on the fence. Like I was like, I don't know how, like, I don't understand how like the minute you're born can dictate all this stuff about you. Like still blows my mind, but it's like, been so accurate and like kind of life-changing that I'm like I'm I'm definitely sold she this woman is now like basically my new therapist <laughs> I do trades with her for like naturally dyed silky things I love that <laughs> so there's a long list of things I'm excited about <laughs> which is a good thing to be at a good place to be at in life yeah there's always mm-hmm. something that I'm like reading about or yeah yeah which is actually how we met through that the whole world of like, not even fashion, but this like healing world, which totally. is so funny. Yeah, there's like all these other overlaps. Yeah, 
yeah, I like I can't it's all one and the same to me, honestly. Like totally. It's um yeah. I mean and and uh modern medicine is so magical and um she she definitely has connected me with a lot of really cool people. So I'm glad I'm glad that I met you. I likewise am so honored and glad we got to chat and um if people want to find you and your brand where can they they find you so my website is earthenwarrior.com um uh, and instagram is at earthen dot or sorry earthen underscore warrior on instagram um, I have a Facebook page and, and Twitter, but like, I don't really, I don't really use them. Um, so those two are the best. And awesome. if you ever want to contact me, there's my email is on, um, both my website and Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been truly such a pleasure. Yeah. It's been so nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I am so excited to be back and to be sharing so many new episodes with you in this coming year. And this is just the beginning of what's to come. So thank you for supporting us from the beginning. It really means a lot. If you feel like you've gotten any value out of this or maybe you haven't, um, feel free to let me know. You can let me know in a message on my website, um, which will be linked in the show notes. Um, but if you do feel called, I'd love to have you rate and review this podcast as it does help. And if you feel like it could be helpful for anyone to hear maybe what we talked about in this episode or any of the previous episodes, um, it really means a lot. So thank you. And I hope you have the most beautiful and nourishing day. Have a good one. I love you all. Bye.